Welcome to Not Another Runner podcast, a running and health related podcast created by a run of the mill, yes, pun intended, everyday runner. Join me for all things running, health and well-being related, for the highs and lows of life, training and chasing goals. This podcast is designed to keep you motivated and enthusiastic on your journey to health and happiness. Every time I run, I discover something new about me and about life, be it a reason why I run or a discovery of myself. I genuinely find gratitude through running. I am able to stay healthy and fit through the execution of my passion, but furthermore, I am able to achieve peace, presence, growth and discovery. And I love to hear all your stories on how running has changed your lives and what it's brought to you. I want to connect like-minded people through the power of podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Not Another Runner podcast and to episode 30 of the podcast. Um, I actually can't believe we're at episode 30 already. It has literally flown by. Um, So I want to say a huge, huge thank you to all of you who have taken the time to vote for this podcast in the Running Awards. I am honestly so grateful for everyone who has shown their support, who have emailed, messaged, text um, and just been so supportive of of this. Um, And those of you who have shared also on your social social media, I'm still finding my feet with this podcast and um, still trying to get to grips with how to how to run it, how to manage it. Um, I love when you guys get in touch and I get to know which episodes you enjoyed, um, what you like to listen to, what you're loving about the podcast. So yeah, do 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 continue to keep in touch and let me know what you're enjoying with regards to the podcast. Um, yeah, it can be hard sometimes to to juggle this because I. Um, schedule guests, I liaise with them, I prepare and publish and I do so all around full-time work so the fact that you have been supportive and continue to encourage and motivate me to continue to to keep going with it um, is just really appreciated so I thank each and every single one of you. Um, Sometimes like I say it is hard to juggle but I wouldn't have any other way. I love doing it and I love the community that we all share. Um, so thank you again for your support. Uh, I thought the voting for the Running Awards 2020 was closing on 5th of March, but it looks like it may still be open. So I will include the link in the show notes just in case if it is still open. And if any of you um, have not voted and you, and you wish to vote, then you can do so via accessing the link in the show notes. So I wanted to say a shout out today to uh, a listener of the podcast, um, to Zoe Cook, who got in touch recently. Um, I loved reading this post. It, it literally made my day and I'm sorry that I didn't get in touch earlier. Um, so a massive shout out to Zoe and for sharing um, this online. She said, sunny, early morning, easy run, listen to not another runner podcast this morning with run to reach, slowly working my way through the back catalogue. This podcast inspires me on every easy or long run and always gets me thinking about my hashtag why I run. I'm a bit like run fat boy run 2017 and would say because I can, but there were, there are more reasons than that. I run because even when it hurts, it feels good because it gives me a sense of freedom because it gives me me time to process everything going on in this crazy head of mine and keep my mental health in check. And possibly, most of all, because it shows me how far I have come, how much I've changed and grown as a person, and how if you make a decision and commit to it, you are in control of your own destiny. I'm aware this is deep for a Tuesday morning. 
hashtag SARS not SARS um, amongst lots of other hashtags. Thank you so much for getting in touch. I absolutely love that post. Um, and similarly to you, I run also to keep my mental health in check and also to to see how far I've come for a sense of freedom. Lots of lots of good reasons there. Um, so thank you again, Zoe. I love that message and I really appreciated it. Um, so today's guest is um, Gabe Cox and the episode is a really special one in my opinion. It is slightly different to the normal in a brilliant way. Um, so we, we, we focus a lot on uh, mental training, mindset and the power of the mind um, and also obviously lots of hints of running. Um, Gabe Cox is married, she's a mother to three boys, she's a runner and an author from Minnesota. She is also a gymnastics and running coach and a mindset coach and Gabe's brand Red Hot Mindset was set up to help others break through mental barriers in the race of life, to break down those barriers in pursuit of a goal and Gabe's mission is to help others overcome their mental barriers in life to achieve these goals. This chat for me was honestly really empowering and uplifting. Um, just before me and Gabe recorded I had had a couple of rocky days and I definitely didn't feel quite myself so I am hoping that I still managed to deliver as well as I could have done um, considering the circumstances that were going on during that time. Um, but yeah despite this I, I honestly loved chatting with Gabe and honestly felt like she had read my mind on several occasions because some of the things she said were literally what I was thinking, what I wanted to talk about and equally um, topics that have been really prevalent in, in my own life and my own thoughts. Um, so yeah, it was a little bit spooky. Um, so Gabe mentioned uh, a noteworthy um, tip about community and um, basically the importance of who you choose to surround yourself with and again this is like one of those spooky moments because I'd said not long ago how vitally important this is in order for us to achieve our goals and the importance of being kind and supportive um, in each other's pursuits so I hope you find your cheerleaders as Gabe mentions in this chat because that is what we all need others who motivate and inspire us and encourage us with our own goals um, and not the opposite. So I really hope you enjoy this chat and take away a great deal from it. Let me know if you enjoyed and yeah, just get in touch and we'll speak soon. Hello. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Not Another Runner podcast. Um, today's guest is Gabe Cox. Now Gabe is a, an author a mindset coach and miraculously went from injury to qualifying for the Boston Marathon. I am extremely excited to, to be able to chat with Gabe today and just to dive into some of these questions I have for you, Gabe. Um, and especially so that we can get to know a little bit more about your recent book, Mind Over Marathon, and what people can expect from it. So hello and welcome to the show. Hi, Natalie. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here. You're welcome. Um, so could you tell us just a little bit about yourself then for those who may not already follow you um, and what exactly is Red Hot Mindset? Yeah, so I am in the Amer I'm in America. I live in Minnesota. We, it is super cold here all the time, it feels like. But I have three boys. I'm married. Uh, my boys are 12, 10 and 6. So we have a loud, boisterous household, and I am a mental training coach, but I also have had former experience as I'm, I'm a run coach and 
a gymnastics coach as well. My two oldest boys are competitive gymnasts, um, my oldest as an elite. So we spend a lot of time in sports and in just the coaching side of things. So I'm an author. We'll talk a little bit about the book, I'm sure. But Red Hot Mindset is essentially my blog or my brand. And what it is, I have a mission to help others overcome their mental barriers in the race of life. And I do this through helping them to see and realize their full potential by helping them step into the fire and find refinement. So I do this through a blog and through a YouTube channel and now coming up a podcast. And my goal is just to inspire others to dream huge and go after their goals. This, do you know what? Because I've read a lot of the book, um, Mind Over Marathon, and well, I've got it to read and I've got it on Audible. This makes so much sense that you were a coach for both running and um, gymnastics. Because, well, initially when when you said gymnastics, I thought, oh, this is why your son is obviously um, as as good as he is. I, it was a really interesting listening um, and finding out just how determined he is. I found that really, really interesting. And obviously he follows suit, follows his mother, because your determination is is very, very evident um, in your book and also in, in your story and your qualifying for Boston Marathon. But I want to know, what was it or when was it that you realised you wanted to be a mental training coach? What What made you decide, right, this is this is my calling, this is what I'm going to do, and this is how I'm going to help others. Part of it came from the first time I qualified for Boston and the steps that it took to do that because it was actually a mindset flush. And I know we'll talk about that in a little bit. But uh, what happened is I've, I've been a run coach. I love, I love the helping others go from not running at all to running a 5K or a half marathon or a marathon. But the part I... I'm not as into forming the training plans and here's how many miles you need to run each day and here's what your training is going to look like. I am super into the mindset and how mindset actually plays a, almost a bigger role than the physical training itself. And so as I was training for Boston or training to qualify for Boston that first time when I actually, not the first time, but a few times in when I actually took that into consideration and did a huge mindset shift and took all the principles that I had learned and used them in that training, I realized that there was something special in it. And because of my coaching background, I said, why am I not coaching others on their mindset? And that's kind of where the dream came into play. And it was a few years from then before I even started doing the actual coaching. But I was coaching people all the time, just in everyday life. And and, and nowadays, are you more coaching mindset over over the physical, you know, running coaching, or do you combine the both together? You know, do, do you have more um, people that come to you for for literally mindset for for other forms of sport or for other pursuits in life? Yep, I have. I do coach more the mindset side. I do coach a little bit with running still with uh, mom uh, moms on the run. It's a fitness program that right now is only in the U.S., but it's kind of a, it's almost a running club, but we have some specific uh, training plans that we use and we run together and we do track workouts and uh, interval workouts. So I get to use my run, run coaching skills at the same time. But when I do it personally, I do more mental side of coaching and I will do it for runners or for athletes in general. I also do it for just everyday people. Maybe it's an entrepreneur who's looking to 
achieve a goal in business or it's somebody who just has this goal but doesn't have any direction in what to do with it, I can help with some mindset tweaks. So that's kind of how I, I formulated from the running side and from the athletic side, but I'm also moving into a shift of using it in everyday life as well. Yeah, that's really exciting. Really, really interesting. So what what is it that Red Hot Mindset can offer listeners? Um, you know, what what is different about about your Red Hot Mindset um, as opposed to other perhaps um, mental training coaches or mindset coaches? One of the things that I've learned, and this I've learned this through my own life. Uh, I don't know if you've been like this at all, but I, I've been busy my whole life. I've added too many things onto my plate and I just kept adding and adding different roles and different, um, jobs or different, whatever it is, my seasons always seemed so full and it, it kind of took the joy out of life for a while and made me just feel overwhelmed. And I still had these goals I wanted to achieve, but I felt like, how am I going to add these into my life? Because I don't have anywhere to fit them. And so I have been going through the last couple of years, I've been going through a season of slow. So slowing down to speed up and eliminating some of these extra roles and really realizing what is the most important and what can I do that's going to have the most impact and kind of eliminating those roles. And so what I do with the mindset as well is one of my goals is to help others simplify their life. So they can add in these goals and dreams and go after them without feeling like they're busy and rushed. And society these days, is, we're all always so in a hurry. And it just takes, it, that takes the joy out of going after a dream. So that's something that I offer is the mindset tweaks. And we're going to work hard to achieve our goal, but we're going to do it in a way that doesn't cause overwhelm or cause burnout. This is literally like you've read my mind, actually. <laughs> so strange because I've not actually asked to talk to you about this today. Um, and it is really weird that I, I wanted to ask you, uh, what is or what would you recommend to people? Literally, this is the question I wanted to ask you. What would you recommend to people with regards to achieving goals? Uh, and how can they strive to achieve these goals by um, perhaps working out the daily schedule, the weekly schedule, um, and basically making it more effective so that their time is more valuably um, used. So they've got more time to be able to strive for that goal. Um, because this is something that I feel like I'm feeling right now in life between work, the podcast, um, some of the goals that I'm hoping to achieve myself. I, I'm forever feeling like I'm rushed, I'm busy, I'm here, I'm A, B, like rushing all over the place. And it's really, really hard to try and achieve everything that I want to be able to achieve um, and do so accordingly when life is so busy. And I feel like a lot of people are in this similar mindset. I'm sure I've seen two posts this week of really good friends that I know of who are, who are runners as well, who are um, effectively um, suffering or struggling with the same sort of thing where they're trying to fit everything in but they just don't have enough time to fit it all in so they're trying to look at right okay what can I eliminate from my routine or what is not as important yeah exactly I think part of it is asking ourselves the questions of why are we doing what we're doing yeah. why is this role feel like it's significant in my life is it significant in my life is what I'm doing now going to get me to where I want to go 
And most of the time, the answer is no. Not many things that we do are things that we have to be doing. And so part of it is just changing our mindsets to we don't have to be all to everybody. And especially as a mom, I felt that way for a very long time, that my my role was to give, 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 and to be all for everybody. But then I forgot to take time for myself to refill myself. And I was no good to anybody at that point. And yeah. so part of it is knowing that we have to refill ourselves and we have to take that time out or that time for rest in order to be able to do what we want to do or to be able to have an impact or to give to others because otherwise we're going to be left dry and we're not going to have anything to give. So part of it is setting our priorities. What is the most important priority for us at this moment or in the season? And then we need to work everything else around that. So that might mean that, oh, maybe we don't sit on the couch and watch TV all night because we're going to do something toward our goal instead. So we're going to supplement or maybe we don't say yes to being the president of the booster club or the team, the sports that we need to help with, or we think we need to do this. Um, and that was something that I had struggled with for a long time was the, the need to be in a leadership role. I felt like because I'm a natural born leader, people asked me to take these roles and I thought, well, I, I'd be good at that. I'll just do it. But then I kept adding and adding and adding. And at some point I'm like, I'm no good to anybody because now I'm just drawn thin. And so part of it is that priority. And, and then the other part is being intentional in everything that you do. So finding the priorities and then finding that intention, because if you don't have intention in it, there's no reason to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. That, rem- that reminds me of, of uh, reading about um, how in, how you have to sacrifice something and, and, and realizing what your important things are so that you can be present in that moment, not just being there. I remember reading that and thinking, yeah, that makes so much sense. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's important for us because we want to be present with our families. We want to be present with our kids or with our friends or wherever we are. We don't want to just be almost elusive. We don't want to be there, but not there. Mm. And part of that is taking roles off our plates or simplifying something Mm. so that we can in that moment be present. Um, I mean, that even comes down to social media or our phones because we could be talking to someone and texting at the same time while we're making dinner and doing these things. And it's like, no, you didn't have any intention behind any of it, that anything that you were doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How do you um, advise or how do you... um... So yeah, advise others when, you know, if they're trying to eliminate something out of their schedule or they're trying to reduce the amount of hours they spend on a certain task or commitment or hobby, like there is guilt that comes behind some of this because for some, they may feel, no, no, I've got to be doing this because of X, Y, Z reason. So how does guilt play in with this and how do we manage that? We are so good at the guilt trips of ourselves because we, we focus so much on what others think mm-hmm. or what, what is this going to do? Who's going to take over? Um, you know, I'm the only one that can do this or I feel so bad saying no. But when we, especially with it, the no, when you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else. 
So if you say yes to all these commitments, you're saying no to your time or to your family or to your goal. So when we're making these decisions, part of it is asking yourself, what are you saying no to when you're saying yes to that? What's, what is there? What is it that you can make that shift? And the other thing is little by little, it doesn't have, it's not going to, we're not going to just eliminate everything in a day. It doesn't happen overnight. We'll take kind of like eating an elephant. You do it one bite at a time. Now, I don't know why anyone would want to do that, but either way, um, you just slowly start taking things off your plate. And when you feel that guilt, you remind yourself of the why behind it. So why am I taking this off my plate? Well, I'm doing it because I have this goal, whatever your goal may be, like mine was to run Boston and for the season or for the time, that's what's most important to me. So I'm okay with having that guilt or feeling that guilt because that guilt is a lie. It's just something that we have to work through and be okay with, that guilt will go away. The more you say no, the easier it gets. Yeah, that makes sense. And you say about the why, like that, I, f- I find that is so important um, with everything in life. And I think um, with, with all our goals, there's got to be a reason or a purpose behind it. Otherwise, are you really going to be working hard enough to, to, to want to strive after that goal if you don't have that big enough reason. Um, I wasn't sure, have you heard of the seven levels of why? Have you come across that during your work? I haven't heard of that, but I can imagine what that is. It yeah. probably has to do with going a little bit deeper to find that real why. Yes, yeah, I only heard it the other day. Um, I think it's Dean Graciosi. I think he's a, a mindset coach and, and yeah. I think he learned from another coach um, and he was explaining to to another person about the seven levels of why. And basically sometimes um, we might have a why, we might have a reason or a purpose to do something, um, but perhaps that why isn't quite um, at the forefront of our knowledge of, as to why we want it. So we might think we know, but we don't really truly know the real reason and the real reason we're, we're, we're striving so hard to, to get that goal. So when we peel back and say, and ask ourselves like on seven levels yeah but so you say the first why and say it aloud and then you ask yourself again but why do I want that reason you know like the reason you've just stated then you'll have a a second level to your why and then you ask yourself again but why do I want that you'll have a third level to your why and you keep asking it until you knock you you knock it all the way to this number seven and that reason is the the crucial the ultimate essence as to, to to why you are striving for it and uh, and that's just yeah I wasn't sure if you'd you'd have heard of it or come across it but it's something that you you might want to look look at yeah I'll have to look into that I that, I actually do the same thing that's, yeah. that's how I coach people is okay so why do you want that yeah okay, why do you want why what makes that important to you okay well why how mm-hmm. is this going to affect you you know so trying to get them to go layers deeper and deeper because usually the surface why isn't the real reason. And that's not going to drive you out the door because you have to find that why that's going to make you want to do it when you don't feel like it. Yes, and that's exactly it. Because if it's not a big enough reason, if it's not a big enough why, you will find your excuses and you will allow yourself to skip on, um, yeah, you know, the ways that you will go about achieving that goal. What would you, what would you say has been... Um, Oh, sorry. How did you decide 
to, to write mind over marathon? Did it just come to you like one night, like, Oh my gosh, this is, this is what I'm going to do. Or was it something that you'd always thought of was writing a book? Um, and then it, it just came to you as your experience of, of your Boston marathon or. Yeah, I, I've always wanted to write a book. So I've been a writer by trade since I can remember. I went, I went to school for journalism and broadcast journalism, but I, I always thought I'd do fiction. And actually my, my goal was young women fiction with a success principle tied in. And eventually I want to get into that as well, but I've always wanted, I've dreamed, that was one of my huge dreams was to be an author. I didn't know how it was going to come together. And I, it, it was a dream that I kind of buried for a long time when I got married and had kids and the daily grind happened and life happened and all these things got in the way. And when I was training for the Boston Marathon, it took me three tries to qualify for the first time. And that third time that I was qualifying, like I had said before, when I added in these mental training principles and these success principles to see if they would work to get that BQ, I, it all of a sudden clicked on me that this was the book I needed to write. And I, I, I thought, well, I wasn't planning on doing a self-help book. It, that wasn't in my forefront of my mind, but it was a book I knew that needed to be written because it was a breakthrough book that I feel like will help break these mindsets or break down these walls for people to help them one dream again, because I feel like once you get into life and you start adulting and all these things are, we forget to dream. We forget about what that's like or how to do it. They get kind of thrown by the wayside. So learning how to develop that dream and imagine what life could be like or the goals that we could have or the things we could do, but also now you have this dream, but what do you do with it? How, how do you break these walls down? How do you overcome these mental barriers? How do you overcome the guilt or the excuses or the not feeling like doing it? How do you create that game plan? And that all came to me, but it actually was a five-year process. So from the time I started it in my head to the time it got published, it was a five-year, five years in the making. And really, by the time I de was decided and said, okay, this needs to be written. This needs to get done. It was probably about a year and a half, really. But um, but that's that's kind of how it came together. It wasn't something that I'd always thought, yes, I'm going to write a self-help book. Um, yes, it's going to be about mental shifts. Because it was a journey for me. It was a like a 14-year journey for me to go from someone who was on the outside, looked very confident, a leader, smiling, happy, but on the inside was had a self-image of nothing really felt very unworthy and going from that to where I am now where I am more confident and I've learned how to express myself and I've learned how to overcome the negative and the negative and that I mean negative is never going to go away it's a matter of having the tips and the tricks to mm -hmm. work through it when it comes because I think sometimes we see these people who are so positive and who look like they have it all together. Well, negative still comes. Trials are still going to come. Challenges are still going to come. But they've learned how to work through their own challenges. That's so. I'm so glad that you mentioned that because so many people have said before, like, oh, you're so positive or you're always so positive. And I'm thinking, yeah, yeah, I am. But I'm also I also have my negative thoughts and I'm very aware that those negative thoughts can manifest into a lot more if you don't if you don't 
um, catch it when it's, you know, when it first starts um, and, and spin it around. You know, we, we all have negative thoughts as humans. It's, it is um, an instinct that we have. It's, it's not something you can just easily switch off, but it is really, really important to be able to um, turn it around and focus on the positive um, and continue to do so, so that those negative thoughts don't ruminate and don't accumulate into more and more and more negativity. Yes, because they can. I've, yeah. I've been there. I've been on the other side where you feel like you, you're at a loss. You can't, you can't get out of it because you've dug yourself so deep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we've mentioned um, briefly about your um, Boston Marathon experience and how, and how you got there. And obviously that is included within, within the book, Mind mm-hmm. of the Marathon. So we, I want to dive into um, that story, like how you achieved your your BQ how that happened and also about your injury and how you overcame it and and also the process of your visualization prior to running Boston um and prior to the qualifying and how that was crucial in you getting that time yeah so uh the, my first time I qualified for Boston was 2015 so I ran it in 2016 and this was my third try at it. So that was my fourth marathon. My first marathon, I just kind of ran it to run it. I had really no plan. I just went with a plan online and different things. And when I finished, I just felt like I want something more. I'm super, okay, I'll run another marathon. I hadn't planned on doing that. I just had it in my bucket list. But I thought, well, how about we try and qualify for the Boston Marathon? It was just a thought. Really, I don't know how that came to me. But it's, I started thinking about it more and more and I'm like, this would be a great goal and it will push me to another level. So that's kind of how the thought of qualifying for Boston came up. And the second time I went for it, so the first time I went for it, my second marathon, I did the exact same thing I did with the first marathon and nothing really changed. My time changed by like two minutes. And so my first marathon was about a four, four hour and 12 minute marathon. And at that time, I needed to qualify with a 335 to just get in and be qualified for Boston Marathon, which, you know, the way the Boston Marathon has gone these last years, you've had to qualify under by three or five minutes in order to be able to run the race. So I knew that my goal was going to need to be a three hour and 30 minute marathon, which is 42 minutes faster than my first marathon was. And on paper, that would seem impossible. A lot of people would be like, there's no way you can do that. There's no way. And honestly, I got a little guff for it. And because no matter what dream you go after or whatever goal you have, somebody's not going to like it or somebody's going to give you pushback. And we have to develop thick skin in order to be okay with that and know that there are going to be people in our corner and we need to listen to those people. So my third time, so my second time trying for Boston, I actually hired a trainer and it went better. I did, I think I gained 16 minutes or subtract, I don't know how you would say that, but um, in my marathon time. So I had a 351 and then I knew I still needed to do something different and the difference came in the mindset. So not only did I have a hard training for the third go around, but I also increased all the mental training principles which includes the visualization. So mm-hmm. when you ask about the visualization, the visualization is so important, especially especially in a race goal, but in any goal to 
one, know your why and know the real why. So dig deeper into what's going to get you out the door to do those hard workouts, the ones that we don't want to, or what's going to get you moving instead of deciding you've had a long day and you just want to relax. Um, and then putting it in front of you. So I had my goal written on my refrigerator so I could see it every day. I spoke my goal every day. And my goal was a three hour and 30 minute qualifying time at grandma's marathon in Minnesota, 2015. And I would say it to myself all the time. And when I was running my training races, actually, almost every time I was training at near the end of the run, I would visualize myself crossing the finish line and seeing three hours and 30 minutes on the clock. I also kind of made a picture board that had that time on there. It had the Boston race course. It says qualified for Boston at grandma's marathon. So all the things I could see, so I could actually see a picture of it in my mind. And what's really cool about this, and I actually suffered quite a few injuries um, during the time of qualifying the first time. It w- I had a lot of IT band issues. And um, on race day, actually, I started out really fast, probably too fast. I'm not one who does negative splits very well. I'm one who runs all out and tires near the end. And I'm, I don't know if I really care to change it because it works for me. <laughs> but, um, but halfway through... Uh, at 13 miles, I was faster than my pace needed to be. So I knew, okay, if I can keep this up for 20 miles, if I can keep this up for just a few more, I could probably walk some and be okay. Like I just started telling myself things and you have to, when we're in the moment, when we're having those struggles, um, teaching ourselves how to break those mindsets and how to get that positivity back in is what's important. So I had little mantras along the way or just little things. And I talked to myself out loud. So when I'm running, you'll hear me say things like, I'm awesome. I can do this. I'm halfway through. I only have this much left. Oh, I got a 5K left. I can do this. It's really funny because people probably look at me like, who is she talking to? But I just figure if I'm saying positive things, it's probably helping the person next to me too. So it's okay. But, um, but by mile 20 or so, my legs hardly could turn over because my IT band pain was so bad. So I had to kind of ask myself, is this worth it? Do I keep pushing or am I okay stepping back from my goal? And sometimes we do have to think about, is this injury a long-term thing or is it something I can push through and rest afterward? And I chose to push through it, but the physical pain was almost paralyzing by the end of the race. And I could, I feel, felt like I could hardly move. But what was cool, because I visualized that day for my whole training, when I crossed the finish line, it said 3.30 on the clock, on the dot. Well, it was 3.30.06. But, you know, it was the big red letters blaring back at me were 3.30. And it was like pretty much as I envisioned my whole entire training. Which is crazy. Um, to have that on the clock, especially when you have like race times, chip times. I don't know how it worked at Grandma's Marathon, but um, whether you were right at the beginning of the race or, but yeah, to see that. And, and it's, I remember reading that in your, in the book and just thinking, wow, 
like how powerful that is. And I have heard lots of stories where visualization and manifestation or attraction um, and memory, um, visual, um, what do you call, what did you call it? Picture boards? Um, dream boards or vision dream boards? Dream boards, vision boards, that's it. I was going to say memory board then. No, vision board was the word I was looking for, that they really do work. Um, was, was visualization something that you were doing before you got your trainer and before you were trying to qualify for Boston? Or was that something that was totally, totally new to you at that time? It was new to me in racing. It wasn't new to me in life, but okay. partly new to me because it was for a specific goal. So I had used some visualization and some like affirmations and different things to help me change my thoughts about myself and mm -hmm. to really realize who I am and who I want to become. And so I used those principles as I was developing that in myself or as I was developing kind of career goals and things like that. But I had never done it in racing prior to this last, that, like, that marathon. Mm -hmm. So yeah, and they say it is, it is you know, a big thing, especially, you know, among um, elites, um, athlete, well, especially when you're racing at the level that you were and qualifying for Boston, etc. You know, 3.30 in a marathon is um, pretty epic and to qualify for Boston as well. And to do so whilst you're in so much pain that was, that left you feeling like, like in absolute agony and like that you were paralyzed is, well, it's credit to, to you and the girl that you were going after. Um, so yeah, I can't imagine the feeling that you will have had when you did actually achieve that in the end. Yeah, it was a pretty cool feeling. And I know for that marathon, I had to, I had to drop 21 minutes, which wow. doesn't quite sound like a lot, but that's yeah, it in a mile. And, uh, yeah, so it was, it was a pretty cool thing that most people would say that's not possible. And I'm sure a lot of people were like, eh, well, maybe she'll do it. Probably not. And, uh, it's kind of cool to hit those goals. And to really realize how capable we are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what what would you say you learned during those attempts to qualify for Boston and um, with that pain and all the injuries that you've had with your IT band? What would you say are the biggest do's and don'ts to, to marathon training? Well, the biggest do's and don'ts, I think the biggest do is to really think about running your own race. One of the biggest things I see is comparison especially in the race world. Oh, well, I'm just not as fast as they are. Or what, what is deemed as fast and what's deemed as slow? And am I still a runner if I'm running a 13-minute pace? And the answer is yes. You are running. If you're, if you're running at any pace, you're a runner. And when it comes to your training, you have to remember that your training is going to be unique to you. Even if, even if you're using the same training plan as someone, your training isn't going to look the same and it's not going to go the same. You're going to have your little bumps you're going to have along the way, you know, and the little things that you need to overcome and they're going to be different than someone else. So you really can't compare yourself to what someone else is doing. It's kind of the whole don't compare your worst to someone else's best, which is what we do on social media all the time. We look at everyone's best because that's all they post. But we have to remember that they have a worst, too, and they're working through their own skeletons or their own issues. Um, so we can't really do that to ourselves because that's going to put us in the the game of well maybe I'm it's, I'm I'm just not worth it or maybe I maybe maybe this isn't my race instead of saying I got this I can do this and so I think the biggest do is to just do it for one but to remember that this is your race 
you get to choose what is your goal and, and it's only you that gets to choose it because really all you're doing is running against yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. It is hard, isn't it? It's hard not to compare sometimes, but that's one thing that I really definitely right now don't do because it just, <laughs> it just doesn't work. And I think also because I haven't been running, yeah, um, I'm not training and I'm not um, training for a girl. I, I really have got no one else to compare to because no one has the the same sort of injury that I'm going through or the pain that I'm going through. So that's one thing I am very glad and very thankful that I don't succumb to to the to the comparison game. And and you know what? I get as much gratification from going out for a walk nowadays as I as I did with running. Okay, maybe maybe the high is a little bit higher when running. Um, but no, I am incredibly grateful that I've got the ability to go out and, and go for a walk. And, and if I do only manage a 60 minute, um, sorry, 60 second interval of jogging, then I'm still, still winning. And I still class it as a run because of the pace that I'm doing at my walk. It's, it's really not quite a walk. It's quite speedy. So. Right. Right. Well, I, and I totally feel your pain. I mean, I never, I haven't experienced an injury like you have, but, um, I've overcome a broken ankle this last year. Yeah. So I'm still, I'm actually over a year out of my broken ankle. I broke it on December 23rd of 2018. Mm -hmm. I was out running six months. I couldn't run. I couldn't walk for three. I I was off of it completely for three almost. And I really didn't get back into running until this fall. And I had qualified for Boston my second time that October of 2018. So right before I broke my ankle. Mm-hmm. And thankfully it was for 2020. So this year is, I'll, I'll be at Boston again, but getting back into marathon training after that much yeah. time, it's been crazy. And it, it's a, it's a different mindset now going from injury and what that injury did to my body and to, you know, it, it, it really can work your mental. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a whole new story, a whole new ball game for me when you go from, doing what you love and not realizing what happens when your passion gets taken away and mm. you no longer can do it. And I know you probably feel that, that pain right now as well. And it's, it's an interesting dynamic when you can't run the speed that you're used to and you're, 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 uh, slow or your fast is quite a bit slower than even your normal easy runs, you know? So it's an interesting thing what what running can do for us so yeah but you know what like you say in all of that I still think like like you say it's it's a whole new ball game and um learning to to recover from injury and to to get back into marathon training again and we've got to be so careful because obviously the level of fitness is a lot different and there's lots of strength um to regain but actually you can learn so much more so much from the um the time that you that you require to build those blocks back up, like there's so much to, to be learned from that. And, and you said about um, losing that hobby or losing that passion when it's taken away from you. Um, I was chatting to another, um, another runner recently who's um, a guest for the podcast, and we were both agreeing on how important it is to, to not just have the one hobby for that very reason so like to have other ways and to have other other dreams and, and passions within life so um you know ensuring that we've got those those b and c hobbies 
and passions so that if and when we are not able to execute that first one, we've still got something else that gives us um, a, a meaning, meaningful time and, and, and pastime and also our sense of identity as well so that we're not purely and simply a runner, but also more than that. Right, exactly. And I was so thankful. At that time, I was still finishing up my book. So I had something else because I, I know that. And, and here's the other thing is having something to look forward to after you accomplish your goal. So mm -hmm. after I ran Boston the first time, I actually went into kind of a mini depression. Mm -hmm. because I had, I had given my all to that goal and I never looked past it. And so I kind of was like, what's next? There's nothing. I don't have anything. I'm not running toward anything. I have nothing. And so I kind of got down on myself for a few months. And then I realized, looking back, I realized it's because there I never looked ahead. And I put all of my energy into that, where sometimes it's good to have that goal coming out, even if it's a simple thing like, okay, my goal now is just to have a race that I enjoy so that I can recover and feel good and or have something else entirely, like you said, mm -hmm. a different passion, but know that there's something afterward instead of this culmination. And then all of a sudden that culmination has gone. Yes. Yes. Couldn't agree with you more on that. And, and what would you say in your opinion then, what does it take to, to be a marathon or, or to be a distance runner or even um, an endurance athlete? What, what do you think are the qualities that make up an endurance athlete? I think there's two main qualities. I would say discipline and grit. And part of that is because in order to be a long distance runner or athlete, you have to have the discipline in order to do it. You have to be able to find time in your schedule because your training is not a half hour training most of the time. Maybe you're doing half hour strength, but your, your training is quite more intensive than that. And you're not doing it just a couple times a week. You are dedicated and committed to making these workouts and runs work. So I definitely think discipline. And I love, I love the fact that um, being a marathon runner or a long distance runner can help create that discipline in other areas because the more disciplined I am in my running, the more disciplined I am other places. But I also think grit. And the reason I say grit is because even my husband always kind of makes fun of me because like, he's like, why do you put yourself through all this pain and torture? I said, I don't really know because <laughs> you know, we never feel great. You shouldn't feel great after a marathon. We feel miserable, but yet right after we've crossed the finish line, we're talking about the next one. And I kind of equate it to having a baby. It's the same thing. Like you forget the pain because of this precious child. So you're let, you're okay with doing it all over again. Yeah. And, um, but that grit, you need that grit. You need, um, the mental toughness to stick it out when it's hard and to stick it out when you don't want to, because you, you're some of your training runs, you're not going to like, you're mm -hmm. not going to want to do it. And so I think those are two of the big things that it takes to be a long distance runner. Yeah. Yeah. Discipline and grit and resilience. I always find, I think you've got to have so much resilience and that comes into a little bit with the grit because mm -hmm. to have grit, you, you do have to be resilient because you have to, you know, um, abstain, uh, you know, adversities or um, difficulty or even pain. So, grit, yeah. yeah, I suppose yeah. grit is very much like resilience. And I always, always say resilience is definitely one big one that I think. Definitely resilience to a lot of things, because yeah. as a runner, you, you cannot control very many things. 
you, the only things you can control are your actions. So are you willing to go do the workouts or show up and your attitude? You can control how you respond to things, but you can't control how you're physically feeling that day. Most of the time you can't control the weather. You can't control how other people are. You can't control, um, you just, I mean, a lot of things on race day or on training days, you can't control it. Mm-hmm. So having that resilience to bounce back in spite of whatever is going on around you is definitely important. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something, again, something I shared the other day was about, um, the, the two things that you truly have control of is, is your, is your attitude. And what was the other one that we just said? Your, um, actions. Actions. That's it. Yes. That's what you've got control of is your, your actions and your attitude. And that's so true. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you say has been um, the biggest lesson that you have learned from your um, so from your achievement with qualifying for Boston, running it, and becoming injured? Like, what what did you learn from all of that experience? The biggest thing I learned is that we're more capable than we think. There's more of us, or there's more inside of us than we even think possible, and there's also always another level that we can go. And sometimes we're scared of that because I don't know, it's almost like a fear of success more than a fear of failure because we're afraid, well, what if I can sometimes instead of what if I can't? And, um, but we are, and I think it's good for us to push ourselves a little bit more to see, well, where is my breaking point in a way? What, what am I capable of? What can I pull out? What is my potential? And um, because I feel like we do always need to be striving in some way and growing because otherwise, if we're not growing, we're essentially dying. And so just that that process of being willing to always be growing and to be willing to just push that tiny bit just to see what would happen. And I think that part is just exhilarating. And um, that's one of the biggest lessons I've learned because I want others to realize that they have more inside too, if they want to, if they want to go there. Yeah. Love that. And what, what would you say on those bad days or the bad periods where, um, you know, you might doubt the goal, you might doubt yourself, um, or you might just be having a little slump, a bit like when you said you had that little funk after after Boston because you hadn't you hadn't visualized past. I mean, you'd spent so many months training and visualizing that that time and being there and getting it and and achieving that that you couldn't see past it. So on those days then where you have that little funk or you are a little bit lower, how do you manage that? What what's your coping mechanisms on days where you you are finding things tough? A lot of caffeine. No, I'm just kidding. I don't <laughs> like caffeine much. I wish I liked coffee, but I don't. But um, really, part of it is I have things, I have certain things I say to myself. And a lot of times when we're feeling that, and some of it goes to our feelings. Um, when you're having bad days, you automatically are going to start feeling negative or feeling like you don't want to do something. But we have to remember our feelings are just that they're feelings. And honestly, they can't dictate what we do because our feelings sway. Our feelings will be up and down and up and down. And it's kind of the whole I think I have this in my book, but like, um, all of a sudden, you know, I'm, I'm happy and go lucky. And then all of a sudden my kids do something and I get upset and I'm like, 
kind of reeling at them and then the phone rings and I pick it up and I'm like, hey, how's it going? And I forget everything that just happened. And that's kind of how our feelings are. And so when we have those bad days, then it's kind of how do we pick ourselves up? And so I fight my bad days with different mantras that I have. And so I'll speak them to myself or I'll speak them even out loud. And that usually kind of helps me at least get out of the funk. It might not help me to want to do anything or, but it at least gets me out of that mindset of the almost woe is me or I'm feeling a little pity right now. Um, But a couple of my mantras that I really like is I beat my body to make it my slave because I want to make sure I know that I'm not relying on my feelings, that I can make my body do what I want. And that's to an extent because we all physically have limitations at some point. Um, And the other thing is I like to tell myself that I am worthy and it's my time because it's, I think sometimes we just have these fears of, am I good enough? Can I do this? And sometimes that's when our bad days come because we've just, we're telling ourselves we're not and we can't or whatnot. So I like to remind myself of that because I also think things are meant for someone. So even when it comes to goals, if not you, then who? Or if not now, then when? You know, those kinds of things. So that kind of helps me get back into the mindset of, okay, I can do this. And oh, well, if I had a bad day, brush it off. Um, I don't like to say there's tomorrow because I want to live in today, mm-hmm. but I'll brush it off. And here we go again. We can always restart and restarting is okay. Cause that's what life is all about. It's all about try, fail and adjust and then try again, try, fail, adjust and try again. But if we don't try again, then we aren't going to get where we want to go. Yes. Yes. Love that one. And I like you said, if not now, then when? That's a good one. Mm-hmm. If not now, then when? And also restarting. And I, when I always used to like that one where you'd say, well, tomorrow is a new day. So it's a new start and we can start again, go fresh. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. Yep. And it's okay to have rest periods too. If you have a bad day, sometimes it's okay to have a bad day. Yeah. But just don't have a bad week or a bad month or a bad year. Get over it and move on but it's okay to have those down days too yeah and sometimes those down days are actually a sign that you 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 might be doing a little bit too much and actually do you know what have a day where you do nothing have a day where you do just I don't know whether it be playing with your kids or um going for a walk in the park um you know cooking a nice meal and watching tv you know for a change if if that's not something that you normally do because actually a, a bad day could be a sign that rest more rest is needed and sometimes um, the rest is best, yeah. as I say, for runners. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And reflecting. Mm. I think sometimes we're just going, 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 going. Yeah. And we get to do that reflection. And, yeah. okay, so what went well this last week? What didn't go well? What distractions came? Am I giving myself too much to handle? Do mm. I need rest? And allowing ourselves that time to reflect. Yeah. That's a good, that's a really good point, actually, because I always feel like I'm quite reflective, but actually I don't sit down and think, oh, what went well or what didn't go well? Am I giving myself too much? What, what, you know, how can I do this or how can I prevent that? I never, I don't actually do that properly. So that's actually a really good point. I think I was doing it about six months ago. Um, 
but just like other things I, I I drop some things to be able to achieve other things and and it goes back to what we were saying at the beginning of our chat um where you know sometimes you've got to make sacrifices you've got to realize what's important and what can you what is you know needed to eliminate from your routine and actually that's probably not one I should be dropping (laughs) (laughs) things that are important and probably that's a good one to to keep in our routine in some way even if it's just you know five minutes a day or an hour a week or whatever it is if we can get it in there somehow yeah yeah that makes sense yeah definitely so what are your goals now for this year? Because obviously you're making a return for running and you're trying to regain that strength and fitness back. Um, so, so what are your goals looking like for this year and maybe, you know, into next year? Yeah, this, this year, my biggest, I have two big goals for this year. Uh, the first one, which is coming up, is to finish Boston and to finish it well. And when I say finishing it well, I don't really have, a, I do have a time goal. And part of that is because I know what it's like. I know what my races look like when I don't have a time goal. Uh, that's in my book as well. I share an experience, my worst marathon ever, which was probably, I think it was my number seven marathon. So I've been, I was marathoning for a long time. Um, but I didn't have any goals, nor did I have a watch. So I didn't know how fast I was running. Um, but this year, my goal is just to finish Boston and I'm calling it my victory run because it is after a year and during a year of trying to get back into it. And honestly, so I've only gotten, I'm, my longest run so far has been 15 miles and gosh, this has been my hardest training ever. And part of it is because my ankle's not, my ankle is healed, but I don't have much. It's very stiff. I wake up in the morning. I, so if you've had experience with like plantar fasciitis, I wake up in the morning with a feeling of really, really severe plant because I essentially can't walk in the morning. It's like, I'm super stiff. I don't have plantar, but that's just the way my ankle is. It's super stiff. I don't have much flexion. So going up hills is really, really hard. And I actually walk a lot of those just because I don't have the um, pushback on or the give in my foot. Um, So sometimes I think I'm going too fast too soon. But at the same time, I know that it's healed. And so I want to push myself to go after it so that one, I can prove to myself I'm capable of running another marathon. Um, the injury is not going to define me. I'm going to choose to use it to inspire others to stand up when they fall, you know? And so that's my first goal. And I know I'll finish it happy. That's my goal is to just finish it happy and finish it not feeling terrible, terrible. Um, But my second goal is actually I'm working on another book. So my second book and my goal is to have it done by the end of this year. And I'm pretty sure I'm going to name it Victory Run but it's going to be about um, overcoming adversity in injury and how do we mentally stay tough in the face of trials. So I'm really excited for that. Um, And my third goal, I guess, and this is one that I have to, I think I'm going to have to push myself to be willing and ready to do this. I wanted to do it this year. That's not happening. So my goal is for, I'd like to qualify for Boston 2023. Um, it's the 10 year anniversary of the Boston bombing. I feel like it's going to be a special year. And so I kind of want to go represent my country, uh, which sounds silly. A lot of people are like, represent your country running a marathon. But to me, that was, that was actually when I went for it the second time I didn't qualify, it would have been for that year. And Mm -hmm. so it it holds a special place in my heart. So I want to go back, but I want to go back with a PR uh, or I think you call them a PB. 
<laughs> we call well, it I, I, I use them both. Um, and so I finished when I qualified in 2018 for this Boston. I actually smashed my last personal best uh, by 12 minutes. So I hit a three hour and 18 minute marathon. And then all of a sudden I go, man, I was just shy of 315. You know, I think all of us have that. I yeah. don't know, this innate thing like, oh, I missed it by six seconds or I missed it by whatever. So my my next goal, if I decide to do go after it, will be to um, get a sub 315 and get back to Boston in a few years. Those sound like some very big goals on the cards. Yeah. <laughs> all achievable, all achievable, which sounds brilliant. Um, and yeah, that, that I can understand um, the reason why you'd want to go back or no, sorry, why you would want to go um, to Boston in 2023. Um, that makes perfect sense. And, and yeah, you are representing your country. You're running, you're running, you're there and it's, it's, it's a big deal, isn't it? Yeah. What, um, what enables you to get up and get going? on most days then because I always that's one thing I, I like to encourage via this podcast via the community um is to encourage each other um to get up and get going because of my famous saying of like you never regret going but you always regret not going technically yes. speaking unless you actually really do physically injure yourself but really even then I think so we 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 can easily spin you know most events most experiences to a positive and that's one thing I love to do is is even with a negative situation I do like to look for the positive so even if it's something that has been um something you know even an event that's really really painful or really um has brought me a lot of sadness in life um there might be something within that event or that circumstance which has actually um given me growth or given me some vital life lessons or lessons that have then shaped who I am as a person so I always like to spin it to a positive so for you then what enables you to to get up and get going yeah I honestly would say my biggest why or what keeps me going and gets me going is my kids and it sounds cliche but really what it is it goes deeper than that it's the fact that I want to be my kids best example and I don't want them to have to look past me for a role model and so if I can teach them how to win and I can teach them how to do hard things, I feel like I've done my job well. And part of that is in order to teach how to do hard things and how to win, we have to be able, yeah, we have to be willing to do that ourselves because mm -hmm. we don't teach by words. They don't, they don't care about what we say. They're going to watch what we do. Our words are our actions. And so they are my biggest motivators. And so when I'm feeling down or if I don't want to go, I remind myself, if I don't go, then I can't push my kids to work through their trials or to, to go, get up and go. And like we talked about, my oldest is an elite gymnast and he has really huge aspirations and I think he'll be able to do it. But in, in part of it is that he has gotten a lot of the mental training. We've read um, mental training books to yeah. him. He was young. We've done a lot of things. He's gotten a, he's done his own dream board and he does these things, but he wouldn't do them if I weren't willing to do them first. And so yeah. that's my biggest, that's what gets me up and going. Yeah. I remember uh, reading that about, uh, about your son and his, his vision board and just thinking, wow, 
Like that is powerful because I'm not even sure, you know, how old is he now? How old was he when he did that? Yeah, he's 12 now. And uh, the first, let's see, I think it was, he was a level five, which would have meant he was young. He was like eight, nine. (laughs) I mean, he was really young. And this is it. See, I knew, I knew he was young. I knew he was young at the time. And I was thinking like, wow, that's incredible. And that just goes to show the, you know, the um, example that you are setting and also what they have, what they have learned from you. And I think that's like just amazing. I think that's really magical that that he had his own. Um, And, you know, he sounds like he's doing really, really well. Um, So yeah, that's credit to you, to you as a mum. If you could give others listening three tips so to round it up, to round up lots that we've talked about today, because we've talked about quite a lot. There's been lots of different things here. So if you could li- give others listening three tips to achieving their goals, what would it be? So my fr- these are probably going to sound super easy. But again, part of my mission is to show that things can- it doesn't have to be so complicated. Yeah. It doesn't have to be hard or take a lot of time. But my first tip is start. Because sometimes we just try to make things perfect before we start. And that's an excuse too, is, well, it's timing's not perfect or the season's not right or different things. Well, it's never going to be right and you're never going to be ready. So just start, start where you're at. And the second tip I have is don't stop, is just keep going. And yes, that means you are going to have to adjust certain things or whatnot, but Um, the start, stop, start, stop means you're never going to finish. It's just a consistency. So Mm -hmm. be consistent. And that's, again, one of the reasons why I talk about simplicity. Don't try and do it all at once. Do little things at a time. Take one step a day. Don't try and take a major leap. Like a long jump is harder than a hop, you know? So just take a little step and just be willing to do something. Because if you do something every day, towards your goal, one, it's going to happen. And two, it's going to feel a lot more simple. Um, And then I guess the third I would say is to surround yourself with a positive community, um, some type of support. So making sure that I'm very particular with the people I hang out with or the atmosphere I'll put myself in. I'm particular with even the music I'll listen to or the shows I watch because I'm really set on what we put in is what we'll bring out. And really you can't unsee anything and you can't unhear things. So um, in order to get out of the negative, you need to find the positive. And so finding a group of runners or even a Facebook group or just finding that positive community that can build you up and that you can help build up as well is super important working toward a goal. Yes. I was like literally trying to be quiet and saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally agree with you on those. Um, <laughs> so I, I love the start and don't stop. Like That is amazing because actually, yeah, you say it's very simple, but it's just showing that it doesn't have to be complicated and actually breaking it down and making this simple is the way forward. So yeah, I love that because I was, I was, um, encouraged to start this podcast um and the the advice was well what are you waiting for like you're never going to have a perfect time there is never going to be you know a perfect um reason or or time to start this and you know imagine where you could be in a year's time if you start this now like what is preventing you because if you wait a year you know you're not going to be any further along 
in that goal of what you want to achieve. Whereas you start now, a year's time, you, you will have, you know, you will have gone some way. Yep. So you love that. And the don't stop is is brilliant. You've got to keep going. So I love that. And that last one you said about sur- surrounding yourself with the right people in like your community, there was something I shared this week because I was listening to another podcast and it just resonated so well. Um, and it was a quote that I don't actually know who the author is, so I'll just say it's unknown because um, this isn't credit to me. I didn't make these words up. Um, so if you have great people around you, they will take you higher than your dream will. Leaders are never self-made. Those closest to you determine your level of, of success. So choosing the right companions as partners in pursuit of your vision is an important decision. Yeah, that's yeah. good. So as soon as you said that, that last one, I just thought, wow, we're lit, like, feel like I'm on the same wavelength because that's exactly what I've been thinking all of this past week is about the community and who you surround yourself with um, and how that can determine your level of success. And it's a little bit like you are what you eat. So what you put into your own body, you get, you know, is how you'll feel and how your body will work, how you will look and equally who you choose to surround yourself um, and spend time with um, is equally, you know, what, what you can achieve yourself. So love that. um so final question for you the one I I really love to hear if you could hear anyone else on this podcast who would you love to hear I love hearing what everyone else picks on your podcast Uh, and it took me a little bit I wanted to think about this too because I'm like who do I want to hear and honestly I this Saturday we had the U.S. Olympic trials for the marathon and I didn't get to watch them but I got to hear the recaps and Molly Seidel took second and she's an unknown runner and she's actually a coffee shop worker. She had never run a marathon in her entire life. She qualified with the half to run the trials. She's a cross country type runner. I think she's 25. Um, and just her story is so impactful and it shows, it proves to me that ordinary people, we're all ordinary people. It's just ordinary people who have extraordinary goals, who look like these crazy, successful, amazing people. And so I would love to hear her on your podcast. I know she's from the U.S. and um, she might be hard to get a hold of now because of our... (laughs) She would be so cool to hear her story. Yeah, that's brilliant. I've noted that down. And that's the thing. um, I bet there's a lot of people in touch with here following that that, uh, first ever marathon and qualifying. That's yeah. crazy. That is absolutely crazy. Could yeah. um, could you just let everyone know, Gabe, where they can go to follow you to find um, more about Red Hot Mindset and find Mind Over Marathon? Sure. Yep. I am a Red Hot Mindset, all my handles. So you can find me on Instagram as Red Hot Mindset or Facebook. And you can also go onto my website. It's www.redhotmindset.com. And if you want to find more about the book, I actually have a spot where you can get two chapters free and you can find that on my website. Same thing. It would be www.redhotmindset.com slash mind over marathon. And you can kind of get a sneak peek into what the book entails. Yes. And it is brilliant. Definitely worth doing that. And then actually buying it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and it's something that's quite interactive. You you do want to sit down and actually take time to do the um, do the questions and, and write things down and actually reflect as well. Um, thanks very much for your time today. I really appreciate it. 
Um, it was great to be able to speak to you and hear more about your story and and yeah, just really have appreciated today. So thank you very much. Yes, Natalie, this was so fun. I enjoyed it immensely. Take care. You too. Thank you guys so much for joining today and listening to Not Another Runner podcast. Please tell your friends and family who you think would enjoy the content I'll be sharing. Don't forget you can get in touch with me over on Instagram via Not Another Runner. Let me know your thoughts on the podcast, any suggestions on guests or topics. This is greatly appreciated. Send me your questions through as well if you want and use the hashtag why I run to be featured. And hey, if you can hit subscribe to the podcast, this will really help me to be able to give you more. Thank you again. And remember when you get up and exercise or go for a run, you never regret going, but you always regret not going. Have a great week, guys, and speak soon.